0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, protesters made a scene at my Georgia Tech speech last night, though further investigation indicates that they didn't know exactly why they were there or what they were mad about. No surprise, I suppose. Also, the White House debriefed TikTok stars on the the Ukraine situation, and now those influencers are dutifully repeating the government propaganda assigned to them. Plus, some parents are upset about the new Pixar film, claiming that it's not appropriate for children. We'll take a look at their complaints and see if they're justified. And an NBA player complains that... Insults and heckling from fans is causing him mental pain and anguish. Now, we've heard the same thing from a number of female athletes, though the public reaction is quite a bit different. And we'll try to figure out why that could be the case. And what exactly is public health equity? Well, it's more than a jobs program for bureaucrats, though it's mainly that, but it's more than that as well. We'll discuss that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, we're living in a fast-changing world, and one of the best ways to succeed in it is to learn how to code. Uh, You can't say this to people on Twitter anymore. It's hate speech to say learn to code, but actually, you you should learn to code. So try Codecademy today and see where coding can take you. Whether you're starting from scratch or looking to advance, Codecademy can help you reach your coding goals. Over 50 million people already know that Codecademy is the best way to learn to code. That's because Codecademy not only teaches you job-ready coding skills, but also helps you build unique projects for your portfolio, earn certificates, and even prep for your technical interviews. Not sure where to begin? Well, Codecademy will point you in the right direction. Take Codecademy's programming personality quiz to get tailored career advice and course recommendations based on your strengths and interests. You can get instant feedback as well. Your code is tested as soon as you submit it, so you always know if you're on the right track. You can build your portfolio and get a certificate of completion to make yourself more marketable to future employers. So join over 50 million people learning to code with Codecademy and see where coding can take you. Get 15% off your Codecademy Pro membership when you go to Codecademy.com and use promo code Walsh. That's promo code Walsh at Codecademy.com. You get 15% off Codecademy Pro, the best way to learn to code. C-O-D-E-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com, promo code Walsh. So last night... As scheduled, I gave my talk at Georgia Tech in the lead up to the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship, where a biological male will compete against and dominate uh, the females. I wanted to explain why this was wrong, but I, I wasn't there just to talk about women's sports. I was, you know, there to talk about, and the whole speech is available on my YouTube channel. As you'll see, if you watch it, our discussion went far beyond sports and into issues surrounding language, biology, logic, basic fundamental truths of life, you know, all these sorts of things. At one point in the speech, I spent about five minutes talking about what the words male and female mean and um, explaining that men cannot have babies. And it occurred to me as I was uh, getting into this part of the speech, how sad and deeply tragic it is that we've reached a point in society where a podcaster without a college degree has to go to colleges and give basic biology lessons. But That's where we are, and that's where I was last night. Of course, there were um, many students at the school who who did not want me there, and um, as we talked about yesterday, the the local Antifa chapter collaborated with the leftists at the school to try and sabotage the event. Based on what they were posting on the internet, it seems that there was an attempt to reserve a bunch of the tickets ahead of time, preventing people who wanted to actually attend from from being able to attend. Um, But that plan proved futile as there was a line stretching around the building to get into the event. And we ended up having a packed house, and it was a great event. Um, the wannabe saboteurs were mostly crowded out of the room um, by the Sweet Baby Gang, which showed up in great numbers. That didn't stop one guy from making an attempt anyway. About a minute or two into my speech, he stood up on his desk with a rather bizarre sign. And I think that we were talking about this afterwards, and it seems as though he, he thought— that some other leftists would join him in this demonstration. I don't think he thought he'd be the only one, but I, I, I'm guessing they coordinated this ahead of time and said, okay, we're all gonna stand up early in the speech and make a big thing. and But nobody else did, it was only him. Um, so we all just ended up having a good laugh at his expense while he was ushered out of the room rather quickly. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, it was a good moment, so let's watch that, here it is. But well, the most important thing to establish for our purposes today is that he is a man, he is a he. And that will never change. That won't change, no matter what kind of uh, poster you hold, doesn't change, that fact. At least the poster's laminated, because I saw some posters out there. I appreciate the effort. I saw some some protesters out there were holding signs on loose leaf paper. It's like, come on. This guy, he took the time to laminate that thing with whatever that is. And I really appreciate it. Like he had to go down to office space or, you know, he had to go down to to Staples with that thing. All right. Anyway. Leah Thomas is a man. Back to the subject at hand here. Yeah, I did appreciate the uh, lamination on the sign. I mean, he obviously took a certain pride in the work and I commend him for that. Um, but he, he did make a few mistakes, like typing the letters in white with a pink background, making it difficult to read what the sign actually said. The sign apparently made some kind of reference to, um, quote, femboy furry porn. Now, I don't know what that is. That guy apparently does know what that is and felt the need to announce it to the audience. He wasn't the only leftist in the audience, so I should say. There were a few others who uh, perhaps understandably chose not to join the furry porn fan in his demonstration, Instead, they sat there at their desks, flipping me off at various points uh, throughout my remarks, shaking their heads in disapproval and finally storming out of the room. I actually didn't notice any of this that that even was happening. I was told about it later. I didn't notice that they marched out. I just wasn't paying attention to them. The rest of the protesters were outside, being a bit more vocal and explicit. Uh, of course, they marched around with, with signs uh, accusing me of being a fascist, uh, chanting that I was killing children somehow. They also reportedly chanted trans rights are human rights for literally five minutes straight, I was told. Um, and as the attendees, people who were at my event, as they left, they were accosted by the protesters, cussing them out and calling them fascist as well. So to be clear, the audience members were fascists for simply listening to what I had to say. I mean, they they didn't even all agree with me. They just they just listened and so listening to someone else's point of view is now fascism, because, of course, everything is fascism. At least, though, the protesters were, so that was, that's kind of what you expect, fascist, fu, a lot of that kind of thing. The protesters were a bit more creative with this chant, though, and I did appreciate it. Play a uh, clip, too. Matt can't swim! Matt can't swim! Matt can't swim!
1: Matt
0: can't, swim. Matt can't swim. I mean, first of all, that's a libelous accusation. I, I can swim just very poorly. It's more of a more of a treading water sort of thing. Doggy paddle kind of situation. Enough that, you know, if one of my kids is drowning, I can jump in and save them and I'm not going to drown alongside them. Um, but that, that's that's about as far as I can go. I'm just not sure what any of that has to do with the topic at hand. I wonder what insult they'll come up with at my next event. Maybe they'll have a chant mocking me for the fact that I tend to overcook chicken breasts. Maybe claiming that I, I don't know how to fold fitted sheets. Both of those would be true, by the way. I just, I don't, I, you know, I don't mean to give them any ideas. In any case, perhaps the most instructive moment I thought came when one protester, who uh, we should note, put much less effort into his sign. Uh, I think he, it looks like he stole a dry erase board from one of the classrooms and just wrote on the dry erase board. There's some efficiency there, I guess. You can always change the message and everything, so I can appreciate that. I just I could have used a little bit more color, a little bit more flair in it. But um, he was asked by, by by someone who was there. The Twitter account, by the way, is at Rapid Fire underscore Pod. Is the person who has this uh, got this footage for proper attribution anyway asked like what what is it about why are you here well you know you've got this sign what what is it that you don't like about this guy what's the problem and uh here's what he had to say
2: i have a sign over here that says matt walsh TPUSA." talk to us about the sign why is this important to you today Uh,
0: because i think matt walsh is an idiot and dangerous to people and yeah, that's really all I have to say on that.
2: Number one thing Matt Walsh has said that's pissed you off that made you hold up that sign today.
0: Oh God, I'd have to go back and look through his Twitter. I know I see
3: all the time. Just give me
2: one. I mean, we're holding the Matt
1: Walsh sign. Just give me one, one thing. I mean, I know that Matt Walsh has consistently said that um you know, trans women are not real women, trans men are not real men, when it's proven by science that trans women are in fact women, trans men are in fact men. It doesn't have to do with your born sex. It is that you feel like you are a woman and that's okay. Like you don't have to conform to what the society says. So
2: so if you decided that you wanted to identify as a woman today, is that something that we would label him as he's a woman at that point? She's a woman at that point. Got it. Gotta use the correct pronouns. Alright, so we've got women, trans women aren't women. What about you? Trans women
3: are
2: women. Well that Matt Walsh has said that has made <laughs> okay. us hold this sign okay. today. What about you? What does Matt Walsh say?
0: Um, let's see, there's a lot of stuff about um January sixth. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I get so confused with all these right wing assholes. It's hard to keep track of who says what. But I know I've seen some stuff he said and I know I wasn't a fan. I love how he's making no attempt to project any confidence whatsoever about what he says. Um, You know, I don't like him because Matt Walsh is an idiot, I think, and uh, dangerous, right? He's dangerous. That's what we're saying about him? Okay. He ends all of his statements like where there's a question mark at the end, which, by the way, is a problem in general with young people today, if I might say. Uh, They all tend to speak as if the ends of their sentences all have question marks, Uh, but that's 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 another matter. But listen, he, he, he knows he's seen some stuff. That's the point. And he, he knows I've, I, he's, he's seen some stuff that I've said, and it was not good stuff. And that's all he needs to know. And he's not, and, but most importantly, he knows that he's supposed to hate me. And so he does. Also, January 6th, he throws in there. Because everybody knows that I'm a famous supporter of the Capitol riots. I, I was actually at the Capitol that day doing a, doing a tap dance on top of Nancy Pelosi's desk I guess I shouldn't joke about that, or the feds are going to bust down the door any minute now. Anyway, he, was, he has no clue why I'm, I'm terrible. He just knows that I must be. The girl standing next to him, on the other hand, at least quotes me accurately. Uh, she is correct that I think trans women aren't women because they aren't. Um, she is, of course, incorrect in her claim that science proves otherwise. But one out of two ain't bad. Now, this all might seem pretty funny. And um, it is. No question about that. But what's the point? Of going into these environments and kicking at the hornets' nest like this. As I mentioned yesterday, my next stop is going to be at UNT, where they chased the last conservative speakers out of the room, forcing them to hide in a closet. That's where we'll be going next. Now, why would I want to go there of all places? I mean, why, why do any of this? What's the point? Well, one reason to go to these places is that college campuses have become extremely hostile to the truth. Not just to open dialogue or to free speech or whatever, although it is hostile to that as well, of course. But for me, that's not the main point. The main point is the hostility to truth. And wherever the truth is least welcome is precisely the place where it's needed most. That's, those are the places where we should go. You know, if you're talking to, if you're in an environment where um, everybody agrees, or, like everyone understands basic common sense things about biology and all of this, then some of these, you know, it's, it's still important to reinforce the truth and to talk about it, but um, some of this wouldn't be needed. But it is because of this hostility to truth. So that's one reason. Another reason is that I'm, I'm frankly a stubborn, antagonistic kind of guy. And when people tell me that I can't say certain things or go certain places, it just makes me want to go those places and say those things even more. But the other even more important reason is that, is that, as I've said before, and this is a very important thing for us all to, to grapple with, that there is no natural wake-up call coming for these kids. Okay, The conservatives who've comforted themselves with this notion that, ah, it's just a bunch of silly kids. They're going to get out into the real world, and, and uh, they'll wake up pretty fast. The conservatives who think that, and have been saying this for, for forever, they're the ones who are in for a wake-up call. And I don't know why it hasn't happened yet for them. These kids who are allergic to basic truth, who chant fascist at anybody they disagree with who hate people like me even though they don't even know why they hate me these kids will be entering a culture that is set up to keep them in that state of delusion ignorance and fear okay it it, it has a a lot of older people are in that same state absolutely we, as we've seen especially over the last 2 years but before that as well and so We can't wait around for people to wake up. We have to go to them and wake them up, which means being a little aggressive and perhaps confrontational and even uh, even rude at times, because the only other option is to let them and millions more remain stupefied and hypnotized forever, because that's what will happen. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, when it comes to keeping the house clean, having a bunch of kids, not to mention having the dog in the house, it's kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword because they cause a lot of mess. I mean, a lot of mess. But then also, um, you, you gotta be careful about the chemicals that you bring in to clean up the mess because you have kids in the home. So that's why I'm so grateful for Naturally It's Clean. Did you know that you can get hospital-grade cleaning products that won't leave harmful chemicals in all your services? Introducing Naturally It's Clean, a home cleaning company dedicated to providing the most effective cleaning products for your home while reducing the use of harmful chemicals. They're secret, powerful plant-based enzymes, which are nature's solution to cleaning. And when I say powerful, I'm talking about hospital-grade enzyme cleaning power. Naturally It's Clean has Safer chemistry formulas to clean every area of your home, from the bathroom to your hardwood floors for your, to your kitchen. All of their products are manufactured right here in the USA, and they offer free two-day shipping directly to your door. So try them yourself right now. Um, my listeners get get their hands on the Naturally It's Clean Daily Wire Essential Kit, stocked with four great products for 15% off. Simply visit naturallyitsclean.com slash Matt and use promo code MAT to um, to get all of this Try out these incredible cleaning products in your home today for 15% off by visiting naturallyitsclean.com slash Matt, promo code Matt. To make matters worse, um, they did all of that also. I, of course, I have to, to mention, they did all, all of this was going on. All of this happened to the nation's most revered and beloved and celebrated LGBTQ plus children's author. I mean, that's, that is just, that is, that's the insult to injury with, with, with all of this. It's not even safe. For the best-selling children's author of all time, which is what I've decided I am now, to go to a college campus. Um, okay, so I've got to mention this at the top. I, I I can't pretend that this is the most important news story. We'll get to some news that's maybe a little bit more important, but this this is just it's the it's the greatest story of the year so far. So that's why I'm mentioning it at the top of the five headlines. So down in Australia, um, the prime minister came up with something called the Women's Network, which is and we're in we're in international women's I think this is Women's Month or Women's History Month, something like that. Um, because we've, we've got, we've got Women's History Day and International Women's Day and all these, but then you also have to have the entire month as well. So we're in the middle of, uh, Women's Month and then, and, and so the Australian Prime Minister came up with this thing called the Women's Network, which is supposed to quote, promote gender equality and support members to succeed in their personal professional lives. And, um, they had a logo that they came up with for this, which I'll, I'll let you see here. And I hope that you're watching the video so that you can appreciate this. This is, this is real. Okay. This is the logo. Take a look at it. I want you to look at that. That's, this is, I had to, I had to double, triple, quadruple check this because when I saw it, I'm like, there's no way that that cannot be real. There's no way that happened. And it did. This actually happened. So if you're listening to the audio podcast, I will tell you that the logo looks like, I mean it looks like a portrait of a man named Richard. It it looks it it is it is it looks like it's designed to be phallic in appearance. It looks like a it looks like a male, you know, situation. And it's it's a penis, okay, is what I'm saying. That's a penis. It's just just what it is. For the women's network. Now the logo had to be taken down and it's gonna be changed as you might expect. And apparently this was not done on purpose. Now you might you might think that it was done on purpose. And that was my, after I realized that this was not a joke, my second thought was, okay, well, they must have done this on purpose because they're trying to make the point now that, uh, so to speak, make the point that these days women can have penises too. And so maybe this is what they were trying to say. Um, this, this was their not so subliminal message getting that point across, but then they took it down. So evidently it was an accident. They weren't trying to do that. This thing was designed and it went through however many levels of bureaucracy. And, and nobody noticed that it, that it looked like a penis. Okay. This is a government thing. That means that, that means that like it, it, nothing ever just happened. There's no efficiency. Nobody just does something and then it's done. That it, probably dozens of people had to sign off on this thing and none of them stopped and said, you know what? That looks a lot like a penis. That's what bureaucracy gets you. That is what bureaucracy is. It, it can't even identify a penis when it's right in front of its face. All right. Going to from Australia back to the United States, where um, certainly our bureaucracy and our government isn't any less incompetent, the White House convened a meeting, this was a few days ago, with uh, top TikTok influencers, giving them a briefing on the Ukraine situation. This also is not a joke. They actually did this. One of the influencers was a girl named Ellie Zeiler who is famous for making 8 second videos where she she dances and this is of course on TikTok this is there are a lot of people who have become famous on TikTok for just dancing and not even full performances but just 8 or 9 seconds and um anyway just as an example here's one of the the videos of Ellie Zeiler she's, she's got like 10 million fans okay this is a massively famous person and here she is let's watch Okay. So that, so that's 10 million. 10 million fans for that. Now, I'm no one to judge, but, but the dancing isn't even, if you're at a, look, people have been, ever since the, the invention of modern media, there have been people becoming massively, massively famous because they're good dancers. And I'll admit that I, that there's a certain bias for me because I don't really understand that at all. I don't understand why anyone should get famous and wealthy because they can dance. I mean, who really cares that much? Um, But at least you know, thirty years ago, you're you're famous for dancing, and it's like you because you're like actually a really good dancer. Now that's not even good dancing, right? That's that's. Am I wrong? Again, I'm not a good judge of this, but that is very lackluster dancing. That is just barely a step above a bridesmaid at a wedding in terms of dancing skills. Maybe not even that good. And that gives you 10 million followers. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just do a couple of moves five, t- five six seconds, 10 million followers. And you're getting invited to the White House for a debriefing on uh, foreign policy while war rages in Europe. And so they got the debriefing, and now all the TikTok influencers, it just so happens, what do you know? They met with Joe Biden, and now they're all making videos. And for many of them, this is the, maybe the first time they've actually spoken in a video, because usually they're just dancing. And now they're all making videos explaining how all the bad stuff in the world happening right now, it's all Putin's fault. It's, it's definitely not Biden's fault. So here's uh, Zyler filling in, filling her fans in on this uh, crucial fact.
1: Why is gas so expensive and why is the United States inflation rate at a four-time decade high? I had the opportunity to ask the White House why gas down the street is $7 and here's what they said. The obvious reason we're getting out of a two-year pandemic, when use goes up, price goes up. But the call is predominantly about Ukraine and Russia, so how does that relate? Russia is one of the top three producers of oil, and it is actually their number one revenue source. Now, with Putin starting this horrific fight between Ukraine and Russia, nobody wants to work with him and do an international trade. So, with people being scared of war and limited resources, prices are bound to go up as well. For the people who can't pay $7 for a gallon of gas, there's an app called Gas Buddy that shows you the cheapest gas near you. As well as a link in my bio to donate to the misplaced refugees
0: of Ukraine. So, first video she's made that was more than eight seconds long. I mean, that, for for her, what that because that's like forty-five seconds. That is, she might as well be reciting War and Peace. This is this is her magnum opus. It's a forty-five second video, and she's she's actually speaking, and uh, and she wants to let us all know that this is all this is all uh, Putin's fault. It's not. I mean, because it's, it's not Biden's fault. Gas prices and everything. Even though gas prices were trending up already uh, before all of this, it's still all Putin's fault. We can't blame Joe Biden. But remember something else. All of these other countries, countries that are autocratic, dictatorial, where, where you get a lot of propaganda, government propaganda, Media that, that parades around as, as if it's free and independent, but really it's getting all of its talking points and marching orders from the media, from the government rather. Um, you know, we, we don't have that here. We're, we're much better than that here. We don't, we don't, we don't do that, right? No, of course we do. And there's just, there's just something even creepier about it when they're bringing, we're used to this from cable news. We're used to the government propaganda from cable news. And most of the people watching cable news, you, you you basically know that that's what you're going to get. OK, so the people watching, there are only seven people watching CNN. Um, they're all 65 and older, and they're there because they want the left wing propaganda. MSNBC, it's three. It's actually three people, but they're from the same group of, of CNN. A few drop off and we'll watch MSNBC again. But they're there because they want the propaganda. Um and the Biden administration knows that, well, OK, we've got, the, we've got pretty much the entire media, except for Fox, that will, that's at our beck and call, they'll, they'll do whatever we want. Um, you know, we blow a whistle, they'll come running along like dogs and do what we want them to do. And that's, that's great for them, but it only goes so far because of the people that you're accessing. Now, you want to get to younger people, you want to get to kids, people that aren't really prepared, don't, don't understand what they're being told. Uh, They're just there for the dancing videos. They're not really there and prepared for the propaganda. Makes them more susceptible to it, actually. So that's what the Biden administration is doing. All right. This is from the Daily Wire. The West Virginia legislature on Saturday sent a bill banning abortions of babies over a Down syndrome diagnosis to the governor's desk. The West Virginia House of Delegates passed the Unborn Child with Down Syndrome Protection and Education Act in an 81 to 17 vote on Saturday. The state Senate passed the bill 27 to 5. With just five minutes left in the regular legislative session, uh, the measure now goes to the desk of Governor Jim Justice, who's a Republican. We can assume it will be, it will be planned. Um, the bill prohibits abortions of an unborn baby due to a physical or intellectual disability unless a physician can show that this, that the disability is not the mother's primary reason for seeking the abortion. The legislation is also requiring doctors to provide educational information to parents of an unborn child who has just been diagnosed with a disability like Down syndrome. Um, Lawmakers in both chambers attempted to add a more general abortion ban to the bill That would have prohibited abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy But that measure failed Planned Parenthood, of course, called the abortion bans cruel and dangerous And they say that it's going to harm the health and futures of Americans Alex McGill Johnson, Alexis McGill Johnson The president of Planned Parenthood Action Fund said With this bill, politicians have exploited people with disabilities In an attempt to distract us from their real intent To ban abortion in West Virginia. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. Her claim is that people with disabilities are being exploited by a law that makes it illegal to kill them. So I'll say that again. People with disabilities are being exploited by a law that makes it illegal to kill them. That's exploitation. To protect them from murder is exploitation. Well, I mean, what do you expect from from Planned Parenthood? These are these are uh, some of the most evil people who have ever lived on planet Earth. And that is not an exaggeration, because what they do for a living is commit, fund, facilitate the mass murder of babies. And they've killed 60 million over the course of um, or the abortion industry in general has killed 60 million. Planned Parenthood specifically has killed tens of millions over the last 40 years. Uh, there's never just there's never been anything like it on Earth. There have been there have been genocides, there have been mass slaughters, there have been all kinds of horrors. But um, sixty million children being killed specifically in that span of time, nothing like it has ever happened. Never been anything like this. So these are deeply evil, soulless people uh, who will just say anything. They don't have they they have no capacity for shame. It doesn't matter to them. So they'll even claim somehow. That this it's cruel and dangerous to say that you can't kill Down syndrome people. Now, as far as the bill itself, um, you, you can point out that in in effect, like what's the actual effect of this going to be? Like, is it is it necessary? Do we need these kinds of bills? Well, absolutely. But we need a, a ban of abortion across the board, obviously. Um, but also, when it comes to uh, children with Down syndrome, they are especially targeted for extermination. And you look at some European countries, there are almost no Down syndrome people left because they're all being exterminated in the womb. This is an actual genocide that's happening against a group of people. So there obviously should be laws protecting them, but you, you look at the language in this law... And the fact that, um, well, it, you know, you can still get the abortion of the Down syndrome child as long as a doctor will say that it's not because of the, the, the Down syndrome. So in effect, it means that it's not really going to stop anybody from getting the abortion because you can, all, any, any woman can just go to a doctor and say, uh, yeah, I want an abortion for any, like any other reason, just whatever, but for financial reasons, anything. And the doctor will just sign the, the letter and that's it. And they can still get the abortion. So it's probably not going to stop any. It, it's, it's hard to see how it'll actually prevent any of these murders from from happening. And also, you know, we know that these these bans on abortions, again, should be much broader than it should protect Down syndrome kids, but also all kids. Um, still, I'm I'm of the opinion that do anything you can do, any any laws at all that you can pass. Restricting abortion to any extent whatsoever, you should pass them. That's that's kind of where I fall on this. There's always this debate about incrementalism versus uh, an all-or-nothing philosophy, and I just don't see how you can side with anything other than the incremental approach for now, as long as— As long as you're not satisfied with that. So you pass this bill. This is the bill you can get passed right now. Keep fighting for the next. Keep keep fighting to get the next bill out there. As long as you're not satisfied. Now, where I would oppose bills like this that, you know, if if they improve the situation, they only approve it in a very minor way. I'd only oppose it if it means that this is all you're going to do. And now you're going to rest on your laurels and say that, well, we did it. We did all we could do. As long as the fight keeps going. But whatever you can pass, pass it. Whatever you can do right now whatever you whatever can happen right now to protect as many kids as possible do it and then tomorrow do something else and from a political from a from a political perspective it also puts democrats in the position of are you know let, let's 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 actually put let's you're on the hook now okay balls in your court are you actually going to take the position that it should be explicitly legal to kill Down syndrome babies because they have Down syndrome. As we know, many Democrats have no problem saying, yeah, I, should, I think that should be legal. But a bill that forces them to come out and say it is good also for that reason. Force them to take the mask off. That's another good thing about some of these abortion bills. Um, even if some of these bills, you know, the number of abortions that they're actually going to stop is somewhat minimal. If they, if they force Democrats to take the mask off and show their monstrous face, then that's another, that is also another benefit. All right. Uh, this is from the Daily Wire. Also, it says, Turning Red is the newest movie from Disney Pixar that has some parents turning red with anger. They say the children in the movie are overtly disobedient and rude. Plus, there are sexual themes, including the main character twerking as a panda in front of her mother while taunting her. Plus, multiple instances of the girl Rebelling against her overbearing Chinese Canadian mother to the point of being disrespectful. The film is touted touted as a coming of age sensation where the supernatural and the mundane happily walk hand in hand. Um, The Rod Tomato Synopsis says, Turning Red, in Turning Red, uh, May Lee, Lee, is a confident, dorky 13 year old torn between staying her, her her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence, and as if Changes to her interests, relationships, and bodies body weren't enough. Whenever she gets too excited, she poofs into a giant red panda. Um, the movie's rated PG, is intended for slightly older audiences compared to other Pixar films, especially since it deals with subject matter of puberty specifically. However, even considering the target demographic, some parents and reviewers are insisting the project goes a few steps too far, and what's worse, that it lacks the charm inherent to so many other Disney Pixar projects. I've heard this criticism of this film as basically summarizing what we just read there, um, that it's just this obnoxious kid disobedient to her parents. It, it, it doesn't actually have a message. Of course, you can portray that kind of stuff in kids' movies. has been portrayed many times before. But the question is, what's the, what's the message at the end of it? Um, and there is no, from what I've been told, there is no message at the end of this telling kids, oh, okay, well, actually, you should respect. Your, your family is important. You should respect your parents. That's not the message at the end. In fact, the message is quite the opposite of that. And then also, apparently, um, so this is, a, this is a movie about a girl going through puberty and turning red. And the fact that she turns into a, a red panda is a not-so-subtle metaphor for that. Um, and so that's part of the, the theme of this movie. And then you think, well, who, who is it actually? Is this, is this a Pixar movie about a, a panda? Is this for 13-year-olds? Is that who this is for? Because when you think about Pixar movies, like every other one that's been made, you you immediately think, okay, well, this is for five- and six-year-olds. Maybe other people can watch it, too, and enjoy it, but that's that's who it's for. Um, A a movie that deals with, well, this is specifically about a girl going through puberty. I don't know who is it. So this is a a Pixar movie specifically for 12- and 13-year-old girls. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But look, I haven't seen the movie. I don't plan on seeing it. Um, I've heard enough just from this that uh, I, I'm, my kids aren't going to watch it. I do put a lot of stock in kind of parental reviews. Those are the—I tell you what—those are the only reviews I actually care about, the only ones that I, that I trust and that I find to be relatively reliable. Um, I, Rotten Tomatoes aggregate scores don't really mean anything. Even the aggregate audience score to me doesn't mean much. The fact that, that a bunch of critics liked a certain movie—that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Uh, the fact that the audience broadly liked the movie also doesn't mean anything because if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, look at the aggregate audience score for pretty much any Marvel movie, that's all going to be like 99 percent people raving about how wonderful it is, and the movie is terrible. Um, what I what I do care about and what I do read, especially before I put anything on for my kids, if I'm not familiar with the content myself, is um, you know you go to some of these sites and you look at the what are the, what are parents saying about it, what are the parental reviews, and I find those to be, most of the time, pretty reliable. And this is all I need to hear. You know, if you've got a large number of parents saying, eh, this is not good for kids, it's got, it's got the wrong messages. It's it, it, On top of that, it's just kind of loud and obnoxious and stupid. Um, that's enough for me to not show it to my kids. And I, I think we all need to be a lot more discerning as parents of what we let our kids watch. Especially when there, there's no real like sacrifice in being a little bit more discerning. I think there are a lot of parents who will just basically put anything on for their kids and they, they almost never tell their kids no when they want to watch something. But it's, I mean, why? What's the, what's the downside? If you're more discerning and you tell your kid, okay, well, we're not going to watch this movie, and it, it turns out that the movie was fine and they could have watched it, how are they hurt by that? They've still got a million of the things they can watch. It's not going to hurt them. Even if you stop them from watching something that would have been fine. It, it doesn't cause any damage to them. But you let them watch things that they shouldn't be watching and you make a habit of that, then there is some real damage to that and as i said it's not i think it's an important detail here for me as a parent when i'm deciding what my kids can watch uh yeah i'm worried about what are the messages what are the themes what are what what kind of things are we dealing with in this movie i'm not going to put a movie about uh puberty on for my 6 year old okay so i'm 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 thinking about that i'm worried about that but also just it, is this taking all the messages aside even if the messages are fine and relatively innocuous is it just a stupid loud obnoxious dumb thing and it sounds like this movie is that and there's a lot of kids movies that are like that a lot of kids shows that are just dumb loud bright noises or you know bright bright colors loud noises and all that's all it is and it's just obnoxious and stupid and it and it Yeah, there might not, the the moral messaging might be fine. It might be, as I said, innocuous, but it's making your kid dumber. Your kid becomes stupider in ingesting all this stuff all the time, this constant media diet of dumb, dumb content. And it detracts from their attention spans. It makes them so they they can't pay attention to things. It makes them so they, you know, they, they constantly need stimulation coming from a million different directions and all of that. That, that's enough of a reason for me. All right. One other thing I wanted to uh, mention, and I, I bring this up because there's a revealing contrast here. Yesterday, we talked about the tennis player, Naomi Osaka, who started crying in the middle of a match because one fan heckled her briefly. Um, and then she got on the mic afterwards, stealing the spotlight from the winner of the match. And, uh, and she cried some more. That's the other thing you see about these female athletes, who whether it's Simone Biles or Osaka, are always crying all the time and complaining and everything. Um, they're also they're, they're also they're taking the attention away from the other players. They're also taking the attention away from the people, who, the, the the players who actually succeeded. So she did that; she was crying about it, and everyone, especially in sports media, is on Osaka's side. As usual, talking about her mental health and how people need to be nicer to her and yada, yada. But consider this when contrasted against another professional athlete, NBA player Russell Westbrook. Now, I don't follow basketball anymore, uh, but I do know that Westbrook has been struggling this year quite a bit on the Lakers. Maybe before that, playing, you know, frankly, just playing terribly. He's just not, he's not playing well. And the fans are ruthless to him. The media is ruthless. And they've they've come up with a name for him, too, which is actually kind of a funny name, and it's unfortunate what his last name is because it works perfectly. So the name they use for him now, and the fans are chanting at him all the time, and the media uses it, is uh, Russell Westbrick. So that's what they call him. And a couple days ago, after another game where he didn't play very well, and people were calling him Westbrick, he's, um, he's doing his press conference, and he's asked about this, and he talks especially about the Westbrick nickname and talks about how hurtful it is to him and his family. Let's listen to that
3: my family has reached a point to where it's really weighing on them um, and it's very unfortunate uh, just for me personally because um, this is just a game this is just a game, this is not end all be all and um, when it comes to basketball I don't mind the criticism of missing and making shots but the moment it becomes where you sh- you, you know my name is getting shamed, um, it becomes a, a, a issue. Um, I've kind of let it go in the past, you know, just because it never really bothered me, but um it really kind of hit me the other day. Honestly, I was, um and my wife was at um, teacher parent conference for my son. Um, and the teacher told me, she's like, uh, Noah, he's so proud of his last name. He writes it everywhere. He writes it on everything. He, he tells everybody, walks around and says, I'm Westbrook, Westbrook, that's his last name and it kind of i kind of sat there in shock and it hit me like damn like i can no longer allow people um you know for example west brick to me is now shaming like it's shaming my name is uh, my legacy for my kids yeah so that's
0: he, he's upset about the nickname and he talks about how it hurts his uh, kids feelings and he doesn't he doesn't like it uh, but you look at the reaction to this from the sports media especially and just the public at large and there's, there's just no sympathy for this guy whatsoever. Like, n- nobody cares. No one is, no one is saying. In fact, I looked at some of the headlines after this. Uh, one of the headlines yesterday, why has Russell Westbrook been such a disaster for the Lakers? Russell Westbrook, a hypocrite for Westbrick complaint. It's just that kind of thing, right? Um, everyone kind of agreeing that, well, suck it up, dude. You're, you're, you're playing terrible. This is what happens. Deal with it. There's no sympathy. I didn't, no one is talking about his mental health. No one cares. No one's even no one's even talking about his kids' mental health. And I, I tend to agree with them. Right. You're a professional athlete. Um, I'm sure you've talked a lot of trash in your day yourself. In fact, I know specifically this guy has. And this comes with the territory. You know, and if you really can't hack and you can't deal with it, um, this, then then you can quit and go do something else with your life. You, get, you got a, money, a lot of money and you can go do anything else and you'll be fine and your kids will be fine. This comes with the territory when you decide you want to play basketball in front of tens of thousands of fans. If you play poorly, they're going to boo you and you got to deal with it. Now, the detail about his kid, now this affects his kid. And he's not as proud of his name anymore. That actually, you know, that's that's sad to hear that. That actually is sad. Um, and I can imagine from the kid's perspective. Right. If now he's getting taunted because of this. And but even so. You know, that's, and what else can be done about it? This just, again, it comes with the territory. So what are you going to do? Start throwing people out of the stadium. You, you have no choice as the adult, as the man, the grown man, to just deal with it. Sticks and stones and all of that. So that's fine. That's how I see it. And that's how everybody sees it. It's just, you, you see this contrast between that and any time it's a female athlete with the same complaint. If this was a female, if this was a, if, this, if this was a WNBA player talking about the way that she's taunted and how it affects her kids, everybody would be saying, she's a victim. This is terrible. Her, her mental health is a serious issue. They put her on the cover of magazines now. She's, a, she's actually, it doesn't matter if she's playing poorly, they'd make her into the athlete of the year because of how she represents uh, mental health. The real contrast there, real double standard. And you know what? I would be fine with it. Actually, if it was in the context of society admitting that men and women are different, I'd be fine with that. I'm fine with saying to men, hey, get over it, okay? Toughen up, buddy. And then to women, it's, you know, women take this stuff a little bit more seriously and they're more sensitive. And so, I uh, okay, I understand that. I'm I'm okay with that because men and women are different. And so I'm okay with treating them differently. But the problem is that that we're very selective in our society about when we decide to treat men and women differently. And even when we decide to treat them differently, we never admit that that's what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that, to me, is the problem. Let's get now to the comment section. Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby gang. This is from Mike Dutton says, if breaking down and crying over every little thing is courage, my three-year-old granddaughter is the bravest person I know. Well, yeah, I've, I've, if that's the case, and I've, I've got four kids who are very, very courageous. There should be statues built to them and their courage. Um, Kaziah says, Matt's ruthlessness has a way of snapping people into reality. Sometimes I'll find myself thinking, oh, that's harsh when it comes to these things. And then I hear Matt explain it, and I remember what it's like to have my head on straight. Uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself ruthless. That's not the word that I would use, but bl- blunt. I don't, I don't care. You, you can use that word. It doesn't offend me. But I think of it more as just being blunt, and directed to the point. And yeah, I think that we, that's what we need in our society. Now, I also think that there's room. We get into this debate, especially among Christians all the time. Uh, and I get criticized, especially by Christians, because they say, well, my my approach is not Christ-like, and it's not the right thing for way for Christians to approach things. And I've talked about that, and I've addressed that, and they're just wrong uh, in that claim. But another thing that I say when that subject comes up is that uh, people have different personalities, and it takes all kinds. And so there are different approaches to everything. And so not everybody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the sledgehammer approach— um, Almost all the time. That's how I'm. I'm going in like a sledgehammer. That's what I'm going to do. I don't think that everybody all the time can be a sledgehammer. Pe- people have different approaches to things, but I do think, and there there might be there might be situations where the sledgehammer is not the best tool. I'll admit there might be situations where the sledgehammer is not the best tool, and yet I'm going to run in with the sledgehammer anyway and start smashing things. So I, I get it, and you know. Um but it has to be a tool in the arsenal you can't you can't throw it out completely especially in our society today when as like we talked about at the top people are stupefied in a haze hypnotized and sometimes to get somebody awake is you get you got to slap them around a little bit metaphorically if not literally on occasion um let's see uh, Earth Child Productions says, Matt, you should definitely add a section to the show for great historical figures or facts that were not taught in school. I really enjoyed that section. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I wasn't sure if I was boring people while I was talking about it. But um, these, I, I don't know how it could be boring, considering it's what we talked about yesterday with the, um, the story of Ernest Shackleton and the endurance is one of the most fascinating stories in history. But there's just so many that the it's almost cliche to complain about. These days, but the, the history education that kids get in school is is woefully lacking. And of course, the education they receive on every topic is woefully lacking. But in history, especially, and it's been that way that this is not a new thing. It was that way when I went to public school. Uh, it's been that way for decades. Entire sections of history are completely ignored. Many of the, the greatest heroes of history are ignored and that that trend is only getting worse um, and it's and it's only going to continue getting worse especially as CRT uh and kind of left-wing racialism infects the school system more and more uh now it's well we can't talk about Ernest Shackleton because he was a white guy you know he's a, he was a white british guy in the early 20th century and he almost certainly had views on things that that we would not find acceptable today. And even if he didn't, we have to find more diverse heroes. Because if we talk about Ernest Shackleton, that's going to make all of the, all the kids who are not white males feel left out. So we can't talk about it. we got to find somebody else. Um, Chris says, Matt, I know you're fully on board with DeSantis in 2024. How would you feel about Tulsi Gabbard as his VP? I know she has or still is technically a Democrat, uh, but I think it's safe to say she's not on that team anymore. Look, Tulsi Gabbard is great, a really great leftist. I mean, she's really great for a leftist. As far as leftists go, she's about as good as you're going to get. But she's still a leftist. Um, that, that's what she is. And she's still beholden to that ideology on when it comes to most things. I mean, that could, that could change, I suppose, um, but as of now, she's still a leftist. And no, I would not want a leftist on the ticket, personally. Uh, let's see. Honest12 says, the microwave is literally the most futuristic invention in my lifetime. I'm 51 years old. We were promised much more when I was a lad. Jetpacks, space trips, unlimited food, human human-like robots to clean, cook, perform sex. Nothing more amazing than a microwave has materialized, though. Name something more amazing than cooking food instantly. Sorry, I'm just stuck on you using the phrase perform sex. I mean, are you a robot also? Is this how you talk to your wife? Honey, yes, uh, might we perform sex this evening? I just, I can't get past that, but anyway, Now You don't need, there's, there's nothing. How about I'll, I'll flip this around on you. What is it that a microwave does that all the other tools And appliances in your kitchen can't do. Okay, that's, that's, you don't need the microwave. Ditch the microwave. Also, microwaves cause cancer. I don't know if that's true at all. It just seems like it probably is. Don't put the misinformation label on me. I'm just, I'm saying. It seems to me, I feel as though they probably cause cancer. The Daily Wire is constantly working to bring you the truth. That's why we've launched our own publishing wing, DW Books, and we're proud to be publishing books that are actively fighting the left's monopoly on storytelling. The first is 12 Seconds in the Dark by Sergeant Mattingly, and it's available right now. The book is the true story of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor shooting. A lot of lies are told about this, but this has the truth. And uh, you can check out for yourself the trailer right now. Here it is. It was very chaotic. It was very quick. Instantly, I knew I was shot. Breonna Taylor, she was caught in the crossfire of those bullets. As soon as your brain's registering, it's already over. The media got so many things wrong in this case, saying we had the wrong apartment. Her name wasn't on the warrant. She was shot and killed in her sleep, in her bed.
1: These are lies. This is not true, and all the while you're hearing all these outside influences from athletes and Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, all those people coming and attacking you, putting your name on their account saying he
0: should be in prison. All these things that they have no idea what they're talking about. But they have such influence. The more we attack police for doing their job, the less good qualified police you're going to have. When you read 12 Seconds in the Dark, you will find out the truth of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor raid. In a world where voices like this are censored, the story is incredibly important. That's why the book is available now on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online. So go to, so go order your copy today. Um, again, at Amazon, you're not going to want to miss this. Order it now. Also, another thing you don't want to miss, the premiere of our latest film. Well, if you did miss it, it already happened. Um, but you can still watch the movie, The Hyperions. It's a dysfunctional family film with an 80s aesthetic, and it's definitely worth the watch. Here's the trailer, if somehow you have not seen it by now. Calling all Hyperians. My name is Vista Mandelbaum. I was just a
1: little on
3: a <laughs> my brother and I have taken four hostages.
1: Everybody against the wall. We've come for one thing, <laughs> our Titan badges. Is this real? What? Yes, ma'am, this is real. Are it. my this. Well, I want that, too.
3: It's the police. They want to talk to whoever's in charge. This titan badge can grant an individual superhuman power. Perhaps it's time for someone else
0: to take on the responsibility.
3: Meet Apollo.
2: I'd recommend next time using your power. Yeah, yeah, if you think
3: so. Calling all Hyperions. On my way. You're making such a mess in here. We've got a Hyperion in route. Not a good time to look stupid. Shots fired! God! One! Give me my gun! Suit up for adventure! She's trying to destroy me! Next question. How's
1: the family?
2: The family is um.
1: Uh, What is it?
3: Marvelous.
0: Hyperions is now streaming at dailywire.com, so if you're not a member yet, now's the time to join. Plus, if you join right now, you'll be entered to win the red carpet treatment with you and the cast and the crew of uh, Terror on the Prairie star Gina Carano. If you win, you'll get flown out to the red carpet premiere of Terror on the Prairie, where you'll meet and greet the Daily Wire folks and the film's cast and crew as well. Two lucky members will each get two tickets and their hotel flight premiere car service and exclusive merch all on us you don't want to miss this. Head to dailywire.com slash red carpet and sign up with code red carpet to be entered. And don't worry, if you're already a member, just head to dailywire.com redcarpet red carpet to enter. Anyway, now let's get to our daily cancellation. So one of the latest innovations of the leftist bureaucratic class is the concept of public health equity. Now, it's a sort of a monstrous amalgamation of the concepts of public health on one hand and equity on the other. Concepts which existed apart from each other for only a brief period of time before they were combined. Of course, as soon as health equity was invented, related government agencies and departments started springing up like weeds all over the place. And we now have health equity departments at every level of government with towns and counties across the country racing to add their own. As one example, Erie County in New York recently set up its own health equity office, and they just hired a woman to run it. Uh, Here she is introducing herself to the public. Listen.
2: Developing the Office of Health Equity and building a team dedicated to improving the health and quality of life of our most marginalized residents is an opportunity of great magnitude. The most vulnerable people of our county face systemic challenges, often called social determinants of health, that can be addressed through policy, programs, and people with the will to face those challenges directly. Meeting and overcoming those challenges will define the work of our office as we develop pilot programs, partnerships and services with our allies across nonprofit organizations, health agencies and more.
0: Now, if all that sounded like a bunch of uh, nonsense, it was. I mean, what you have to understand is that primarily concepts like health equity exist to provide jobs to useless bureaucrats who have no skills and can't contribute meaningfully to society. Um, again, you know, staying on, on Erie County as announced, you'll you'll um, you'll see you'll see how this this works because, and we can we can go back just a few months to when this office was first announced, just to see how it works. Reading from BuffaloNews.com, it says the issue of health disparities in Buffalo and Erie County is an old one. But the question of what to do about it keeps getting new answers. The latest answer is the creation of a new Erie County Office of Health Equity, which will expand the county health department with an additional nine full-time jobs. Those salaries will initially be covered by federal American uh, rescue plan dollars, but will result in future recurring costs. County Executive Mark uh, Poloncarz called the new offices of health equity a necessary expansion of the area's African-American health equity task force. He pointed to that group's role, along with community partners, in successfully shrinking the racial disparity in COVID-19 deaths. Continuing a little bit later, it says, when the American Rescue Plan money became available, Poloncarz agreed to devote a chunk of it to personnel devoted to addressing the health gap. The office also will have a separate advisory board comprising experts on minority health who can provide insight and recommendations to the members of the new health equity director. While the county allocated $3 million to the African American Health Equity Task Force last year, Baskin said outsourcing the action plan to address health disparities isn't a permanent solution. The new office's role, payroll will exceed $300,000 in new salaries that will eventually be a part of the county's recurring costs. Okay, so you see how this, this works. Government bureaucrats had some money to throw around, so they decided to, and this is what the, you know, American Rescue Plan accomplished, just gave a bunch of money to a bunch of bureaucrats, and uh, they said, well, I guess we got to use this for something. And so we'll just use it to create jobs for ourselves. So they decided to create jobs for themselves and also for their friends. And now, even though there was already an African-American health equity task force, there will also be an office of health equity. And these will be in addition to all of the other local groups focused on health equity, like the University at Buffalo Community Health Equity Research Institute and others like it. Now, So you have a bunch of agencies and bureaucracies and everything focusing on racial health equity and all kind of doing the same thing, which is nothing. And none of this will achieve anything. None of these people will actually do anything. But that's the great thing about something like health equity. It's such a broad and ambiguous concept that there's there's no way to prove whether the people tasked with enforcing health equity are actually doing their jobs or not. And this is the case really with any bureaucrat, it's set up this way that it's almost impossible to, to know whether they're doing anything from the public's perspective. It is impossible. We certainly can't know. But even if you're in the bureaucracy, you're kind of looking around like, is anyone doing anything? What's anyone doing here? Now, you you take that problem and apply it to something like health equity. And the problem's even more pronounced. Now, meanwhile, we should note Erie County is one of the unhealthiest places in the country. I mean, actually unhealthy, physically unhealthy. And this applies to everybody, not just marginalized groups, so-called. It has an obesity rate of 65% as just one marker. Now, you would think that the attention would be focused on an actual, tangible, universal problem like that. And we don't need a health, we don't need to make more agencies for this, but we've got a real health problem. And so let's address that. That's not what health equity is all about. What health equity is all about, besides creating jobs for useless tax-funded bureaucratic parasites, I mean, it's hard to move past that because that truly is almost the entire reason why a concept like this even exists. But to get to the whole picture, I think we have to break this down a little bit. So first of all, you have equity. I mean, what is that? To get a sense of what equity is uh, supposed to mean anyway, we can check with Kamala Harris, who offered, I think, a... Um, pretty succinct explanation. She doesn't do a lot of succinct explanations, but a pretty succinct explanation of what equity is supposed to be back during the 2020 campaign. Let's listen to that.
3: So there's a big difference between equality and equity. Equality suggests, oh, everyone should get the same amount. The problem with that, not everybody's starting out from the same place. So if we're all getting the same amount, but you started out back there and I started out over here, we could get the same amount, but you're still going to be that far back behind me. It's about giving people the resources and the support they need so that everyone can be on equal footing and then compete on equal footing. Equitable treatment means we all end up at the same place.
0: So... Equity is not, not giving people equal opportunity. It's making sure we all end up at the same place, as she said. Equality of outcome. Ensuring that nobody is ahead of anybody else. Equity is, in fact, the exact opposite of the traditional American notion of equality. You know, The idea behind that sort of equality was, traditionally, giving everyone the freedom to live, make choices, struggle and strive, ultimately, you know, and, and sort of establish whatever sort of existence They can build for themselves. And there are some nuances there. Obviously, people can't be free to make literally any choice they want, but that's the basic generalized idea of equality. Equity is totally different. It's the exact opposite. Equity militates against equality. Equity ruthlessly suppresses, if need be, um, equality to make sure that the outcomes are the same for everybody. And notice something about equity. And this is really important. It only cares about disparity, okay? That's the only thing it's worried about. Equity doesn't care if people are miserable, suffering, whatever. It only cares that everyone is miserable and suffering the same. I mean, she doesn't even say, well, we all want to make sure we end up in a good place. No, we all have to just end up in the same place. doesn't matter where it is. We could all end up in hell, but as long as we're there together, hand in hand, then we're good. Now, introduce public health into this, and you've got a real problem. Um, It's clear enough that public health already has nothing to do with actual physical health. That's why these public health ministers tend to be themselves personally pictures of unhealthiness. They're so often obese, apparently deficient in various vitamins, generally not healthy at all as people. Um, That's because public health is not related to physical health. In fact, public health very specifically ignores many of our greatest actual health crises, like obesity, because trying to fix obesity means telling people that you shouldn't be obese, and that's body shaming and fat shaming, and you can't do that. Um, that's why public health is now sort of an umbrella term. And I think now simply, things that are in keeping with public health are those behaviors and ideas and opinions and statements which our ruling leftist class condones. That's what public health is. Those things that are not in keeping with public health are things which are, you know, the things which are injurious to public health are behaviors, ideas, opinions, statements, which are, which the ruling class condemns. And it really is as simple as that. So you take this concept and you merge it with the Marxist idea of equity and you have just the perfect Frankenstein monster. Because remember, again, public health, is, it, it's everything. It encompasses everything. Anything that you're doing that the left doesn't like is a problem for public health. To include any statements that you make, any opinions that you have. And now you put equity into it. Again, it's a perfect Frankenstein. A monster which, we, which will be somewhat limited in the damage that it can cause only because of the incompetence and laziness of the bureaucrats who take on these jobs. But there's, there's little solace to be taken in that. And I suppose little solace in saying, though we will say it anyway, that health equity is today canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Have a great day, Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you wanna help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor in chief. Wake up every morning with our show,
1: Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire.